Hi there, this is Dan Delta Collins. You're listening to Wandering DMs. Wandering DMs is broadcast live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time on twitch.tv slash wanderingdms and also youtube.com slash wanderingdms. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi everyone, welcome to Wandering DMs. I'm Paul. And I'm Dan, and on this episode of Wandering DMs, we're going to be talking about curses in D&D, cursed spells and cursed magic items and cursed locations and how much stuff is good for your game today on Wandering DMs. Also, a quick reminder, we do have the Super Chat active on YouTube, so if you have a comment that you want to make absolutely sure that everybody sees at your option, feel free to use that and we'll be sure to call it out. For sure, for sure. Always, always like hearing from the chatters. Always like uh, incorporating what what our viewers have to say into our conversation. Uh, I'm really not sure where we're going today with curses, Dan. Um, but I, I can certainly think of some interesting anecdotes of times curses have come up in my games. Um, where do you want to start? Okay, for me, admittedly, the thing that I'm mostly thinking about is magic items, Paul, and that's yeah. a thing that has the di the dial has varied a lot between different editions. And um, I kind of having researched this this week, I'm kind of intrigued to see exactly how much it has it has ping ponged back and forth, like a number of things in D&D. So as someone that plays uh, a lot of classic original D&D first edition type stuff, I'm accustomed to having quite a lot of cursed items around the world. And I just I just realized that there aren't very many in fifth edition anymore. So I'm wondering what um, your opinion and what our viewers opinion is about like how 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 much having cursed magic items running around their game benefits it or not? Interesting. You know, I'm I've always personally been a fan of items that are both a little cursed and a little beneficial. I like giving players those items that are, um, you know, unclear uh, if it's more helpful or harmful. Um, you know, I'm remembering all the way back to the third edition game Dan, that you and I played where uh, our good friend BJ was playing a paladin and picked up uh, a suit of magical armor, which we never got identified, and turned out to be right. uh, armor of arrow attraction, and right. uh, which is meant to be a curse, right? Like, that's a oh, that's bad. All the arrows come at you. Um, but he, w when he finally identified it, he was like, that's great, because my <laughs> character's point is to get out in front and guard the others around me. So I want the arrows to come at me. I have the most hit points, I have the lowest AC, that's perfect. You know, let me absorb the arrows for the, the weaklings behind me. See, that's good team play. See, that's good, that's good team play. And and I, I love the fact that it's not like, you know, my character is suddenly weaker as a result, but rather the team got stronger. And to me, yeah, that's very yeah. much classic D&D &D team building exercise, which is why why I love that. And I, I love BJ so much. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's good stuff. So here's okay, so here's my yeah. here's my little bit of history um in the rules. Um and maybe um so I'm looking at uh, the little brown books, right? So original D D, little brown books, and I'm realizing that uh you know you have different categories of magic items, you have potions and scrolls and swords. And uh whoever it was, Gary or Dave seem to throw in one type per category. So in, in the little brown books, there is one cursed sword. There is one cursed ring. There's one cursed potion. And uh, there, there's one cursed magic item, uh, miscellaneous magic item, namely the mirror of life trapping. I guess that's, I guess I'm going to call that a curse because you're is probably Is this the uh, page of text, Dan, that you have here in the... No, in actually, don't think I, I, okay. Okay. No, I, I don't think I have an image for that. Okay. Um, uh, and then uh, you have, you know, cursed scrolls, but just just one per category, not very many. Okay, so yeah. somewhere in the world, there's a cursed sword that I guess you have to be cognizant about. And then to me, the really interesting thing is about eight months later, when Gary released Supplement One, uh, um, the Greyhawk supplement, um, the majority of the new magic items are all cursed <laughs> in, that, in that book. And so he went through and apparently he suddenly became committed to every single different magic item has got to have a cursed variant. 
Um, and all of a sudden there's this explosion of new types mm -hmm. of cursed, multiple cursed swords, uh, 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 new curses for other things. And so this is actually the first text that I have that's numbered zero there. Um, it's like just one page from the miscellaneous magic items in the Greyhawk supplement. And this page, it's almost, this is new items here, and they're almost all cursed. So at I the top you I have, dru yeah, go ahead, Paul. I'm curious, are they specifically called out as cursed? Is cursed a category of items, or do we just assume cursed means any item that has a negative effect? Because, like, what is a cursed uh, item? I, I, let me start there, because I feel like the yeah. classic, right, is, oh, your yeah. cursed sword is minus one instead of plus one, right? And, and like, that's a, a curse of mildly annoying math, right? Like, that's, yeah. I feel like plus one, plus one swords are already kind of boring, right? They're like, eh, it's magic, gives you plus one. Great. I'll take a plus one. <laughs> I'll take a plus one. <laughs> I like yeah, a plus one. Sorry. Well, it's not, Paul, it's not we bad. Have, Paul, but... we, may I remind you, sir, that we have two characters that are brothers that have been arguing about a plus yep. one spear for That's 10 true. years, Paul. For 10 years. Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying in the, in the, in the books, in the like, like whole supplements we have now of magic items, a, a, a sword plus one is about like, you know, the, the most the least inspiring of of items in the in the list and so like cursed uh cursed sort of haha you get a minus one like that yeah that's disappointing that that sucks right now i was hoping for a plus one and it's a minus one. Oh no and i can't put it down i have to keep using it until somebody casts right. a spell for me to let it go that's the um, classic that's the classic type of yeah, you know cursed yeah, weapon yeah. At least. so, so obviously are all, are the whole all these idea items of are all the items you're listing here, are they called out as like cursed, cursed scroll of blah or whatever, cursed, okay. cursed ring of et cetera? No, remember that the whole idea of having like formalized keywords didn't actually pop up until yeah. third edition. So yeah. these, these things were reckoned loosely, as I'll mm -hmm. quote Jay Peterson. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you notice on the page uh, that, that, I'm, that we're looking at right now from the original Greyhawk supplement, uh, many of the items are marked in italics that to get rid of this, you need the remove curse spell. You remove the curse. So right. That's, that's the like major that's thing pretty, that makes it a right. cursed item, right? It's like you're, you're yeah. stuck using it. You, oh right. no, I've determined that it has a negative impact and now I have to keep using it even though I know what it does until Correct. someone casts a specific spell to get rid of it. Great. Correct. Correct. So on this page, what, what Gary's done is he's taken the, the canonical uh, magic items from uh, the first book of original D&D and made some kind of twisted, bad, reversed version of, of it that you can only get rid of with remove curse or maybe some stronger spell. And just a couple of examples on the page is uh, the top one is drums of deafness, which is a reversed uh, drums of panic. So drums of panic makes your enemies run away. Drums of deafness makes you deaf instead. Oops. And the second one there is a horn of collapsing, which is a twisted version of a horn of blasting. Normally blasts an enemy's wall down in classic mm -hmm. mythic fashion. This one collapses the roof on you by accident. Um, and then there is the horn of Valhalla there, which is a new good item. But right after it, there's the horn of bubbles, which looks like a horn of Valhalla, but covers you with bubbles so you can't see your enemies and they can hit you perfectly fine. And there's gauntlets of fumbling, um, yep. and there's a there's a good necklace, and then there's a bad necklace on this mm -hmm. page, and then there's also you know I guess I'll, I'll point it out mm -hmm. there is the um, infamous girdle of femininity masculinity. So you have the girdle of giant strength, which is one of the most desired items in D and D, and then you have this classic item here where um, you uh, uh, switch to an undesired gender. And, you know, a lot of people would say that should be stricken from the rules. I actually had a character at one point that was cursed to um, swap genders every time they cast a spell. And I'm very fond of that character. I really love playing that character. Um, but uh, it's not for everybody. So um, uh, some people would not be comfortable with that in their games nowadays. Right. Right. Certainly quantifying that as a curse doesn't, doesn't sit well. <laughs> I, so, and, and once again, I was I, I had a character that was cursed with that and and enjoyed it very much, uh, for what it's worth. Sure, sure. Put that aside. Put that aside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the point yeah. is, right, is yeah. now there's a lot of cursed items. Now there's yep. a lot of items, and and Gary apparently was committed to every single type of item in the game: a horn, a hat, shoes, girdle, gauntlets, whatever. Has got to have a twisted reverse version of it. I guess, and this is what I want to talk about, is why why was that the case? As of supplement one, there's lots and lots of cursed items running around, maybe half of them. Let me, and if let we me, fast uh, forward today, that's not the case. 
let me let me put up here uh, from the chat. Uh, Eric make Eric uh, Eric World Ender brings up a very interesting point uh, where he says, "Oh dear, did I just get it up on screen? I think I did. Yeah, yep. Yeah, there he says. Yes, yeah. uh, um, uh, looks like there was a new item. Uh, there are new items, and then a cursed version for each. So the player never really knows if it's safe, right? And I feel like that's that's really on point, right? You even see this in the um, example of play in B- BXDND." Right, the players find boots and they go, "Oh, put them on to find out if they're boots of elven kind." Right, because we're like, right. so, there's so right. many, especially miscellaneous magic items, where you're like, "Well, there's only one kind of magic boot, and there's only one kind of magic horn, and one yeah. kind of magic drum." So, it's it's a drum and it's magic. It must be drums of well, I, I, not panic, the good one, panic. whatever the good one. Was. Yeah, oh, it's panic. Drums of panic. What's the bad one? Drums of deafness. Drums of deafness. Right. Oh, and then. <laughs> Right. Ha, must be drums of panic. I'm going to use it. Oh, no, I got cursed. And no, I can't wait. Right. right. Yeah. And of course, the, for what it's worth, the um, the the comment that uh, actually appeared on screen a second ago was Eric following that up by saying, I can see it being important for tournament oh, play. See, I told for sure. On screen. Since once a book comes out, pretty much everyone knows what's in it. Great point. Okay. Yeah. 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 So I think that's that's really interesting. Um, hmm. I think Sorry, that's it too. And, and a lot of us say about D and D that maybe the way that the spell mechanics work uh, is too uh, formal, too well known, doesn't you know feels bloodless, uh, and is too too secure. And it, and some of us want magic to be more mysterious and risky, risk taking and dangerous and things like that. And so the injection of the cursed items into the game at least provides that in terms of the magic items. You're not entirely sure what you're getting. Could be good, could be bad. You have to be pretty careful around it. Right. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, personally, again, for my games, I've always preferred making stuff not necessarily just purely bad, but just an, an interesting double-edged of good effect and bad effect just to just to screw with the players to make them make difficult choices. Um, you may remember, I, let me, I'm going to go back to our old third edition D&D game from uh, back from like Please. around t- 2000. Uh, you may remember that uh, I think is possibly the first adventure I ran for our group. Now our group at that time, we were a bunch of coworkers. We were playing on a weeknight and, I, and we had decided to rotate DMs which is the first time I've encountered that style of play uh, worked really well. And I think uh, you and I, Dan, and, and I've, I've certainly seen many other players who enjoyed that, like then try to recreate that magic, fail to recreate that magic. Something, <laughs> really? okay. something in the air, right. something in the air. And that one run of it, like worked really well for us. Um, anyway, uh, I digress. <laughs> Uh, so the first adventure I ran was out of a, I think out of a dragon magazine. And the whole basis of the plot of that adventure is that there is a magic sword that is able to, that glows when, when lies are told within a certain radius of it. And it's being used by the local judiciary to, to hold trials. The Lord, when he's holding trials, somebody's done something, brings out the sword. Great. We can tell if someone's lying or not. And unfortunately the the history of the sword is kind of lost on these short-lived humans of this this town and they don't realize that the sword actually has two effects it glows when a lie is spoken near it or when it's near an elf and oh crap (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. so it detects both both lies and elves and of course naturally the the plot of the story is that an elf goes on trial for something he didn't do it's going to incorrectly finger him as as guilty he being a long-lived elf knows the history of the item so in the middle of the trial he steals the sword and runs away with it and the party is then you know is then tasked with hey go get this horrible criminal and bring back our magic sword wow Uh, that's brilliant that's really nice it's it's a great plot line i love the i can't remember the title of the adventure somebody (laughs) maybe in the chat like will will probably I, you know what? I, 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 I feel like the, the adventure title is probably called The Sword of Blah. Like it might be the the sort of Elf Elf Sindor or something like that. Maybe. Just taking a wild stab I, at it. I, I, I honestly don't remember. It was a long time ago. Right. I mean, first of all, the adventure was written in Dragon Magazine, not for third edition. I had to remember having to adapt it forward to third edition. Right. <laughs> um and, you know, the, the thing I delighted about that is, you know, I think the way the story's written, like, that's it's just a plot device and whatever, and you're supposed to, like, go get the sword and then bring it back and, and whatever. 
Um, like I was like, no, 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 let's let the party keep the sword because it's it's a horror show, right? Of an item, <laughs> and our our whole campaign then evolved this whole like tension between the humans and the elves. Like there was a palpable <laughs> tension between those two communities that originated from this silly plot hook. I feel like a lot of our campaigns have that happening, and of course, yeah. when we played Dyson's Delve, we were we were all elves, mm -hmm. and therefore we were on the other side of it, and we were. Right. You can right. see us if you watch if you watch the Dyson Delves episode. We can you can see us chanting on the table, elf, 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 <laughs> many <laughs> right, times. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's a really that's a really neat item, and I agree. And of course, uh, Direct Sun a while back uh, in the in the chat was was agreeing with you, Paul, that the best cursed items are ones with a beneficial component to it, such as bracers of missile attraction there. Uh, some players would love that and wouldn't mind taking them off like like our like our good friend BJ. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, and so the, the nice thing is a tough choice, right? It's funny because um, with uh, Max recently, we've been playing the uh, the game Quest in and the, the core mechanic is you roll a d20 and either you either succeed or fail or this third thing, which is called a tough choice, um, which the DM has to create on the fly. But so having having a tough choice of there's there's good mixed with bad in the cursed item uh, is going to generate play is going to generate plot points and like like you know one thing on my mind is if the general um, you know the the classic tendency for a cursed item is that it's stuck on you the ring stuck yeah. on you or the sword automatically draws itself or it teleports back to your hand unless you get that remove curse spell. That the effect of that really varies a lot depending on how much accessibility you have to that spell. And at least in, you know, original D&D, um, you could get that spell if you're a 6th level cleric, uh, if you're a 7th level uh, magic user slash wizard. Um, you know, depending wanna... on whether you're, you're below that threshold or above, that might become a non-issue. But if it is an issue, then, then you have a quest... Yeah. Uh, kind of like from a carousing table or something like that, and you have extra gameplay coming out of it. I, I want to dig into that a little bit, Dan, because it kind of interests me. Um, you know, we know that like traditionally cursed items, part of the curse is you can't put it down, right? Now, even once you know that it's cursed, you have to keep using it. And there's a little bit of a game mechanic going on there, right? Like the point is like, you don't want them once they discover, oh, this is a bad sword to just chuck it, right? Because then, then, it's, then it's just out of the game and it's not that bad of a curse. Um, I feel like the fiction, though, that that was being driven towards there was this notion kind of like, um, you know, frankly, kind of Bilbo-esque where you become obsessed with the item. Like, even though it's cursed, that you're like, no, this is a great sword. I love okay. this sword. I Like, you don't want to put it down, even though that's that's wrong. And, like, you're supposed to encourage your players down that direction. Anyway, that's that's what I remember, like, in high school is how we tried to push that. I don't know if you had a, Interesting. a similar fiction around. That, that actually feels very novel to me, Paul. Oh, really? That's, a, that's, an, that's, a, that's an interesting take that I hadn't actually heard yet. Um, you know, so I, as usual, reading reading the text as a slightly OCD person, I'm like, you're stuck with it. The end. And the start and end yeah. of the story is you're stuck with it. You can't get rid of it. So that's well, that, that you never have I, say, back I'm, on I'm, you and say why? Why? Why can't I just drop it? I'm just going to put it down, or I'm gonna or try to work around it. Oh, I'm gonna hold it in my left hand so that I can pull out this other thing in my right hand. Ha ha! I still have it in my hands. Fine. Doing what you said. I'm the DM. How would you like some lightning right now? <laughs> <laughs> like that, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I will I say know. that I I'm guess... actually troubled by yeah. the teleporting sword business like that starts to break that starts to break the fiction for me a bit in this bit about even if you try to get rid of the sword it teleports back i'm not super fond of that like me i would i would look to massage that with maybe a gaius like you start to get sick if you're separated from it or something like that so oh, uh, just this yeah, morning I, I was thinking of dialing that down in some way i definitely I might had be a sword I had a sword in my game where, you know, again, I, I, you know, having been with that trope forever of like trying to encourage the player, the downside to that is that like, unless the player's into it, it doesn't really fly, right? If the player's into it, right. like, oh, exactly. great, I'm going to role play this obsession. Exactly. Awesome, great, do that. But but sometimes right. the player's like, oh, fine, yes, I love this sword. And they take it out, right? And they roll their eyes and you're like, okay, you're not really playing into it. So I've also done things like, and I'm constantly trying to find ways to play into this of like, what other interesting ways can I make the curse like? be a curse right so uh i had a sword that was so freaking sharp it would cut through any scabbard you put it in like if you tried to scabbard it no it would just slice it in half like the scabbard just gets sliced in half 
And like you would, and then, and then also I would play with the teleportation thing of like, just, you would, you would go to bed, like you get rid of the sword, do whatever you want during the day to get rid of the sword. You wake up the next morning, it's in your hand. Like, where did, how did it, did I sleepwalk to go get it? Did it teleport? I don't know, but here it is in my freaking hand again. Stupid Great. sword. I can't get rid of it. Yeah. That's Which nice. That's super I, nice. I like that a lot. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, you know, it, the sheathless sword, right? Wonderful. Um, uh, you know, and it depends on, you know, who you have in your play group and, you know, maybe nowadays we have slightly, uh, more flexibility in, uh, reaching out to people that are further away from us. Uh, when I, you know, admittedly, when I was playing in junior high, high school, my players, nobody would have been interested in, uh, role-playing a desire that they, the player didn't actually have. Um, so that was, that was not something that ever crossed our minds in my formative years. Interesting. I mean, I definitely, I will say that I've experienced both sides of the coin. Like I remember originally that's, that's, that was, that was the way we, you know, logic it. And you're like, okay, I guess, I guess it's because the player's obsessed with it because it's like the ring and you're obsessed with it. Um, and then I had players who were into that. And then later I had, I like would try to like when players push back, why come I can't put it back down? I'll be like, Oh, because you, you think it's great. Your character believes it's a wonderful sort. And I've gotten plenty of players who then roll their eyes. And I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. Okay. I just, you know, whatever. Don't don't really try very hard, and then then it's super just not satisfying. Um, I, I'll say I'll 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 um, share a, an amusing anecdote from my last D and D campaign when um, our friend Christian, uh, his fighter, uh, picked up a magic sword and it turned out to be cursed, uh, and he was stuck with it because they did not have remove curse available. So um, they, uh, in an attempt to get rid of it, they uh, they went to the the major city of my campaign. And I have a hardcore rule about that about uh, the cities in my that campaign that you cannot come inside with arms or armor. You have to leave all arms or armor in a repository at the gate, and you reliably get it back at the end. And the, the players knew that, um, and they'd been there before and gone through this. And so everybody except for the town guard inside is uh, effectively unarmed. You know, maybe someone sneaks in a dagger or something like that. Of course. Um, but uh, they, they went inside the city to go meet someone they thought I might have removed curse. And we realized, we all realized belatedly, well, what happened to the curse sword? Because he can't get rid of it at the front gate. <laughs> like yeah. they're going to demand. And I felt a little bit bad about that. But I, I, read, I read, okay, here, we're just going to do a quick flashback, which I don't normally do. Of There was several hour interaction at the front gate of the guards trying to get the sword away from you and repeatedly failed over and over and over again until they finally said, okay, in this one case, we're done with it for today. Just walk inside and we're gonna ignore that we ever saw it. <laughs> so, so it was kind of a funny um, complication from that, that, that w me and uh, neither I nor any of the players realized that for about half an hour and we all realized, wait a minute, where's the cursed sword right now? Because he couldn't divest it at the front gate. <laughs> That's unfortunate. I don't know. I, I always, I mean, good for you for thinking to like role play or or at least describe a flashback of like, okay, this is why. Uh, that always that always pesters me. I think in role playing games, like it feels like classic for like the the familiar of like, uh, wh where was your familiar during all this, right? Or the right. pet, right? Like, I mean, I mean, the, the the most egregious one of this I remember from. Uh, an episode of Critical Role where one of the characters has a pet weasel and then they like do an underwater part of an adventure, right? They like go through a bunch of underwater yeah, caves and they'll right. have like spells of water breathing and blah, blah, blah. They make it through and they yeah. get up into the cave and then somebody goes, what about the weasel? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, damn it. Uh, is the weasel dead? You know, I, I, I oh, no, I have a, I have a tangent that I'm gonna, I'm gonna avoid because it's too far off. But I had there was, a, there was a thing yesterday that was bothering me that was exactly like that in a work of fiction. Yeah. yeah um, okay. But let me, let me ask this. Okay, how um, rough should the curses be? And so I, I would be interested in looking at the um, table for curse scrolls from first edition. Sure. So I have an image there for. So curse scrolls are a thing in both original D&D, first edition. And so uh, right now we're looking at the first edition table for types of effects from a curse scroll. And it's this asterisk note on the table there that says it's incumbent on the dungeon master to do his utmost to convince players that a curse scroll should be read. 
Um, this is to be accomplished through, and again, by the DM, right? Through duplicity, coercion, and threat, et cetera, <laughs> from the DM to the players. That what? is any scroll not read. <laughs> this, is, this is very uh, old school uh, uh, kayfabe there. Um, yeah. Any scroll not read has a chance of fading in normal air. Uh, and this can be noted by the archaic wording uh, in the still dungeon atmosphere. Now, as soon as you open up a curse scroll there, it takes effect immediately. doesn't even say that there's any saving throw there. And here are the suggested curses in first edition. And this is pretty much the same as original d d It's just like two things added, I think, when I checked. So item number one, the reader is polymorphed to a monster of equal level, which attacks the rest of their party. Item number two, the reader is turned to liquid and drains away. And they're just gone. <laughs> item, item, right? Item three, the reader and all within 20 feet is transported 200 to 1,200 miles away in a random direction. Item four, well, that seems pretty hard until you get item four. The reader and all 24 feet is transported to another pla planet <laughs> or, or planar continuum. Item five oh is God. a disease that is fatal in two to eight turns. Um, item six is explosive runes, and then a, a magic item gets demagicked, or um, or finally any random spell at the twelfth level of magic user. So, so the the vast majority <laughs> of those effects are instant elimination from the game, as far as I can tell. Jeez. Now, I I remember right? uh, playing a game of outdoor spoliation where we read a curse scroll, and it did teleport mm -hmm. us twelve hundred <laughs> miles or something like that from, from where we were trying to be, which was delightful. Basically, put us totally into on the a other desert. Side of the I will map. point out. Into a desert. Into yeah, a desert. Yeah. yeah. Which which was survived by our brilliant lost. magic user casting a wall of ice so that we could we could drink. <laughs> we just sat there licking the wall of ice. <laughs> I had to think about whether that was gonna work. I'm like, don't see why not. Didn't see it coming. It's ice yep. in the desert, man. It's gonna melt. Yep. That's water. <laughs> yeah. You're right. You're right. I thought I had you that time because you were in a dungeon, you didn't have the horses. For, yeah, for a wilderness yeah. adventure, you all you had an enormous amount of supplies, but they're gone. They weren't that nobody was physically carrying them on their person. I thought I'd managed, yeah. I thought I'd got you that time. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. So, yeah, you're looking at this heinous. kind of look at this those kind of heinous. right, right? Those are hellacious. Yeah. Now, flip to the, the next the next image I have is a uh, second edition, is one edition later when uh, Dave Cook did a revision. So, here's Dave Cook's revised curse scrolls option. Um, number one, bad luck, minus one on attacks and saves. Uh, item two, the character's beard grows one inch per minute. Uh, item three is the character's teleported away. And then item four is random monster. Item five is character's polymorphed into a mouse, which is different from a horrible monster that attacks the party that they have to, like, you know, kill or be killed. That's, that's, a, that's a totally different thing. Uh, character shrinks to half their size. Uh, character loses some strength. Character falls into a deep sleep. Hmm. Character develops an uncontrollable appetite, things like that. So those are things that are, you know, are easily recoverable from, they're not lethal in any way. So here's Dave Cook radically uh, shifting down the, um, the danger lethality between first and second edition. Most of second edition is a direct copy paste from first edition, but yeah. this, this is a, a, a radical shift. How do you feel about that, Paul? It's interesting. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I think, you know, as DM, you got to make a call, I think, on just how heinous of a thing you want these things to be, right? Like, uh, I, you know, it's similar, I think, to whether or not you want save or die traps in your game, right? Totally. Yep. Yeah. Totally. Um, I just slight tangent here. Like, I think it's very interesting that we keep seeing polymorph come up as a curse because I think it plays into the classic notion of a curse, right? Like, she turned me into mm -hmm. a new kind of thing, right? Like, like that right. is your classic curse. Now, I wrote uh, a, an adventure that's um, on uh, DMs Guild uh, called um, uh, Mirror Mirror. That that basically uh, the plot revolves around a or a part of the plot revolves around a character being so cursed, right? Like it's it plays it plays a lot into those fantasy tropes. And so there's a witch, and she turns someone into a toad. And the the problem is in the old school version, it's very easy to just be like, oh, she cast polymorph, right? Like, yeah, no big deal. Um, doesn't, doesn't work in the fifth edition of polymorph like that wouldn't like right. how long has is that really gonna last like not that long in fifth edition and it's not really that big of a problem and I had to come up with a very different take on how that 
how that witch had cursed her target so that they could still be the the goal, like go rescue so and so in the adventure. Um, you know, without it just being like the classic, like she turned me into a new problem. So I don't know. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's a, it's I mean, it's it's a you know it's a it's a standard um, dilemma between yeah. you know classic myth and fable in yeah. your game versus rewarding a, a, a character that has been de- evolved and developed over many months of time. Well, um, let, let me ask you: when you were running outdoor spoliation and we did teleport, did you roll on that chart? Was there a chance that one of us should turn into a liquid and drained away? I don't remember. I, um, <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, it, I, I think that the, that for what it's worth, the, the drain to a liquid, uh, I don't think that, I think that was one that was added in first edition. Um, Cause uh, I would, I would generally prefer a curse that is at least in some way recoverable. I'm not against like it being really horrible of like, you know, you die. Right. Because like there are yeah, resurrection right. spells. Um, right. But, <laughs> but but like turned into a liquid and drained away sounds just like an immediate like nope tear up the character sheet you're done yeah I, okay I I think I probably my my memory's a little hazy but I think I probably uh, picked that intentionally because then the game could continue so we're playing on the outdoor survival map it's a giant wilderness map of course and at least the teleportation you know sends you to the far extreme corner of the map but it's still the same map and it's still the same game. So if hypothetically I'd used, you know, teleport to another planet, I would have had to start playing a different game, obviously. So right. I, I, prob- right. I probably, I probably, yeah, I probably did pick that to send you to a bad place of yeah. the map that we're currently playing. Personally, I would be inclined to remove any curse that uh, requires me to make up a whole bunch of content that I haven't made up yet. Right. Like yeah. that sounds yeah. like, that's like yeah. a curse for the GM. <laughs> right. The game has cursed the GM I- to make a whole bunch of content that doesn't exist. Now, on the other hand, I feel I, I, I have a strong feeling that Mr. Gygax and company, right? There were huge Barsoom fans. There were huge John Carter of Mars fans. And I'm pretty sure every other day they were looking for an opportunity to go play on their Mars setting campaign. <laughs> right. And I mean, they even had a book, right? It's it's not very well known because it got retracted, but they had a book out the same year as original D&D called Warriors of Mars. Um, and so they were they were looking for opportunities to go switch games and go play Mars instead. So I think that's baked into a lot of the early rules. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, frankly, um, I, I'm immediately reminded of the uh, miscellaneous magic uh, book. I think it's called AC4, where like the first first item in the book is here's an alternate gate and roll on this table and maybe you get sent to boot hill and maybe you get sent like it, gamma world maybe, like it's just literally this list of like you get sent to this other place and it gives you like the rules set name in italics like you get sent to the old right. west get out your boot hill and run <laughs> you're like uh, it's playing boot hill now <laughs> uh, you got that's great you got to put up john miller's comment cuz i'm la- i'm laughing here at um i i i kind of love this uh, it's a very uh, last. I assume this. So, of, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Right. So, exactly. So, so John Miller's saying mm-hmm. maybe every DM should have a spare planet or plane on hand to deal with the odd, the odd curse every now and then. Yeah. Yeah. Go, yeah. Well, go, make a, go make a spare planet, please. Just, in, just, just when that randomly pops up. Ay, ay, ay. Just. Mm-hmm. No. No. <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could now see you're putting the curse. Sim Earth. Right, right. I mean, that's the weird thing is if you if you went through the trouble of making that content, whether it's you know another plane or planet or like no, I really want to play Boot Hill. Um, which I mean, frankly, this is a, I'm just absolutely delighted by the idea of like a DM who really wants to play Boot Hill and so it's just like uh, you're you'll get teleported to the old west. Okay, we're playing. Boot Hill now. <laughs> Here's your new character sheets. <laughs> well, I, and I, I do believe there was some there was some time when Gary got tired of running the game, and so he cursed. He, the players ran into a curse or a gate or something like that, and he said, "Okay, you're cursed. You're sent somewhere else. Next week, you're playing in Jim Ward's Metamorphosis Alpha campaign, and he can deal yeah. with you." <laughs> <laughs> so it was Jim Ward. Not, Not my problem anymore. Curse. Oh my goodness! Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah so anyway um 
I, uh, where was I going with that? I've already forgotten. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. So I guess the thing is, like, you know, at that point, I don't want it on a table, I guess, right? Like, oh, I've, I've built a whole adventure in the plane of hell, right? Like, well, then obviously I'm going to find some reason to send my characters there. And I don't want to just bury it in some random table of a rant. Like, I have to roll a random treasure that happens to be a curse thing. And then roll the random curse, which happens to be... <laughs> You know, you know, you get teleported to a plane. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna find a reason to send you guys there, regardless. I think. And, and yet, I kind of like, I kind of like the table um, to to keep me as a DM honest about uh, how how frequently I'm being super super heinous uh, because I feel <laughs> like if it's like the one thing, like the the second edition version from Dave Cook, like a lot of what he does in second edition is like here's just a bunch of options. Here's a bunch of options mm-hmm. that you could consider as DM, and mm-hmm. um, I would tend to, you know, because I'm secretly, don't tell them, a, a fan of the player characters in my campaigns, I would secretly shy away from the really severe things a lot of the time. So by by having a formalized frequency, it, it forces me to be on it, be a, a neutral arbiter. Hmm. I, I don't know. I remember you struggling with uh, a, a game uh, at a convention where I put on a certain cloak Um uh, do you remember this? Yeah. Which is one of the D modules, right? Where like, yeah, uh, yeah. there's specifically is it a cloak of poison? Is that what it is? It's a it's a cloak of poisonous. I think. I've... Yeah, yeah. It's, which yeah. which the rules for are what remind us? You're dead. The end. Yeah, yeah. Specifically, like you're dead. No save. I think. Right. Like right. no save. You're totally. dead. Yeah. Right. End of story. Yeah. And that's yep. all, and it's like hidden in this hidden spot, and like it's it's it mm-hmm. seems like super mm-hmm. unlikely that a party's going to find it, and yeah. yet somehow we found it. And I boldly was just like, well, "I'm just going to put it. Yeah. I'm going to embrace yeah. old school. I'm going to put it on and see yeah. what happens." Yeah, and then right. Like, You're dead. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you actually fell for that one. <laughs> I knew it was in there. Yeah, and didn't I- think it would come up. <laughs> Yeah, the funny thing is that 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 experience uh, um, that experience is part of the reason why now I'm pre- I'm committed to always giving a saving throw, um, yeah. and that's 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 now that is now part of my dogma, and largely that that was the pivot point of um, that wasn't that wasn't a, that wasn't a great moment, and um, I, n- now even if the classic rules say something else, I tend to give saving throws, like even for stuff like undead energy level drain that isn't supposed to be there. Um, uh, the, the the player the player characters should get a chance is is now my attitude. Interesting, interesting. I wonder yeah. how Gary would have so, done it. Like like if you were back in the day, like as we especially talked about the, the style of campaigns that they were running, where they're doing right. it every day and there's huge crowds. Right. Was it just an excuse to get rid of a? Per- oh, good. One less person. Go home. Your de- your character. You know, he might have. <laughs> we uh, once again, we're gonna we're gonna call out. We wish he had like recordings of that. Uh, you know, there are. T- he, he said many things. Uh, Gary contained yep. multitudes. Uh, you know, I've I've heard him say on in interviews, always give them a chance. So maybe he would narratively sprinkle clues about it. Yeah, that isn't maybe. that isn't put in the text or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Cursed cursed <laughs> items that just instantly kill you. That's a that's a good one. Yeah. 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 So what's your what's now your what's... favorite cursed item that you've had in the game? <laughs> Maybe that one. <laughs> Maybe that one. The cloak of voice. Well, as, as I recall, I can't remember if you were prepared for it. If we just winged it at the moment where I like took on one of the there was a henchman or an NPC or something right. that I was able to like. All right, right. we get to totally. keep playing. Just totally control these 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 rock gnomes or yeah. whatever they were. Totally, um, totally. Which I, you know, felt like you yeah. were reasonably prepared for. Like, was that because you were like had read and were like, "There's a chance that someone's gonna wear the stupid cloak, and I got to give them something to do." You know, it's really funny, Paul, because honestly, my recollection of that is it took too long to get you back in the game. Like, I, I actually, yeah. I, my, my, my recollection is feeling hurt that it took thirty minutes or mm-hmm. so to get you back in, because it was, it was the, 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 the next encounter. But the, um, you know, th- those, those modules are sprinkled with some, uh, you know, prisoners or NPCs that are, you know, eligible to fill in for a lost character or something like that. So. At least, at least, even at the time, I knew that I had to get you back in the game <coughs> soon. So, in the next encounter area, I think I just I hand waved the negotiations, just like you're you're playing these guys now. Yeah. And, I, and I, honestly, it's, it's, I thought it took too long. I mean, there's a there's a 
I think there's a strong tradition in 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 uh, games for for having uh, unusually helpful NPCs, right? Yeah. NPCs who are like, nope, you don't have to convince them; they want to help. <laughs> They're here. <laughs> you got to get the player back in the game. I mean, that I mean, yeah. I, I've I've made that mistake in the past, and now I'm it, 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 the the one thing that I'm I'm pretty willing to hand wave about the the narrative is is some reason to have the players be active. Maybe not with the original character, but somehow active somehow. Something to do, yeah, yeah. Now back to the curse. Let me fast forward to let's talk about fifth edition today. Okay. Very few cursed items, right? So yeah. I went hunting for them in the fifth edition DMG, and as far as I can tell, there's only about half a dozen of them. There's no general rule. Um, you know, in 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 second edition, uh, second edition, third edition, there are big sections about cursed items and how you can develop them and Second edition had a rule that when players made their own items, there was always a chance that they would fail and make a cursed item instead, which which I kind of like because then that explains where the cursed items are coming from, at least. Um, and then in first edition, there is no general section. There's no general philosophy. They maintain about six and about half a dozen of the classic well-known items like a bag of devouring, uh, the berserker axe, the shield of missile attraction. That all of us have been talking about it makes for, for for interesting play, things like that. Um, and I'm wondering if the next edition, a couple of years, might not remove them entirely. I'm not sure if there were any at all in fourth edition. Um, is that you know com compared to um, original D and D as of supplement one, where approximately half of all the items were cursed? Is that is that now too few or too many to be interesting? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like, how often should uh, how like like if you're wandering through the world and you pick up a random magic item, how often should it be cursed? Should it be half? Should well, it be a sixth? I mean, you know, part you know, I feel like we're we're towing around another question, which is simply how do you populate magic items into your game? Right? Are you handpicking them? Are you rolling on the table every time? Some combination of the two, mm -hmm. right? What you know? How much control do you want over? the magic items introduced to your game. Um, because frankly, I feel like the way the rules are presented, especially in the old school rules, it's like just tables all the time. And uh, and I feel like there's a slight problem in that, in that sometimes there are some items <coughs> that are not great, that you don't want in your game. Or sometimes randomness just screws you and you get lots of the same thing over and over again and you get bored. I mean, mm -hmm. we talked about this before with, with scrolls. Like how often mm -hmm. have you rolled scrolls on the table and been like, ah, that's boring. I want something better. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. It's, it's funny. Um, obviously we, we all, you know, take control of that. And then sometimes after the fact, I, I uh, regret it. I, I got to admit like, um, uh, you know, our our, um, our patron uh, Ash uh, pointed out a, a, a recent uh, a video to us that was new to us from a GDC conference uh, this week by the um, the head of the studio that makes Path of Exile. And one of his main points was talking about how important uh, randomness was to their. Now, this is an online, massively multiplayer uh, game, obviously. Um, how important randomness was to the texture of their campaign world. And he's got this phrase, uh, multiple axes of randomness, randomness on top of randomness on top of randomness, which really? William is now going to really? make into its own magic item to add the axes of, 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 of randomness. Of course. <laughs> um, right. <laughs> but it's um, so fascinating because uh, I feel like this is an argument I have with design. And now we're going into video yeah. game development. I'm sorry, everyone, but I, I can't help but get on this soapbox. <laughs> I cannot tell you how many times I've had a game designer come to me as an engineer and say, uh, I would like XYZ to be random. And I say, are you sure? Do you really want random? Or was what you're asking for an even distribution? Like, yeah, I want a spawn point where monsters uh, spawn at a random point within 20 feet of this point. And I say, okay, so it's great if they're all clumped. It's totally fine if all of them end up clumped up in this one area, right? And they go, no, I want it random. Well, that's not random. Ran a possible outcome of random is yep. all the same. Right. <laughs> right. So what you really want <laughs> is even distribution. 
I, 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 love you, I love you having a conversation. I will say that for Path of Exile, they were specifically talking about the magic items. I'd like, so, well, they were talking about, um, they were talking about magic items and he was talking about um, uh, geographic layout. But let's focus on the magic items just for a second, because that's that's where we are. And so um, uh, their their philosophy, and of course they're supporting a large you know online economy, but their philosophy is specifically that they want a distribution curve with a long tail, so that there is there are some items that show up very 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 rarely, not a uniform mm. distribution, not an even distribution, but they right. want a right. long long tail. So that there's some very very rare items that only that are that are almost never seen at all, and in fact they want to leave the players in doubt about whether there's any cap or endpoint to it. You know, and I feel right. like they can do this because you're talking about a system that mm -hmm. is run with hundreds, thousands, whatever, maybe millions of players, right? Like, mm -hmm. like so they're they're playing with the numbers of assuming that like even though it's random within random within random, yeah. one is still going to pop up. Right, probably. Right, they're talking and tens then, of thousands. Then, I think for that game, it's tens, tens of thousands. Of thousands. Great, great. Tens yeah. of thousands. So one of these things probably is going to pop up, and the players are going to talk about it. It's going to become an important thing, and maybe it's going to get traded between players, and blah 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 blah. And the interesting thing that strikes me about that is that's more similar to what we've heard about how the old games ran in Gary's basement than most of us are running today. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. Like, yep. Right. Like yep. Gary right. was right. running right. with a huge number of players, and he was playing all the time, and so he could play with these kinds of levels of randomness, and he expected the giant group of players to probably be talking to each other. Oh my gosh! Someone actually found a, you know, whatever a a, a, a luck blade or what whatever mm -hmm. the Uber item is that's super rare. Great. That's, and now they're that all that is the Uber item. <laughs> eat up about it. Right. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. Yeah. Yep, well put. And it's one of those things where it's, it's enticing for us to read about those um, those those large scale mechanics. I mean, this was our topic, right? This was our topic last week, right? On multi party campaigns, uh, large scale mechanics that are in our tabletop uh, gaming. When you know, not many of us get to regularly experience that, um, but it's 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 in, it's enticing to think about, and you see where all those mechanics came from, like that. Yeah. Hmm. 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 So this is more of a continuation like of last week than I thought. <laughs> and and, and, and I, I, I feel like I've really taken us far around this loop of like, I think the original question was just what, how much, how many curse items do you want in your game? How many right. curse Thank items you. do you want? That's the question. <laughs> that is the question. And I, a few, I want a couple, I don't want zero, uh, but I don't want them to be so overwhelming that players are like, oh, magic item, crap, it's probably cursed. <laughs> right? Yeah. right you want just enough so that the players are going to greedily snatch up magic items and then haha -ha, gotcha this one's cursed <laughs> that's what i want so i don't know i don't know what that sweet spot is and i feel like you can only really kind of find it by by feel i don't know if there's a way to systemize that to say ha i found the perfect distribution of cursed items within my campaign it's a Poisson distribution with lambda 1.5 i'm pretty sure <laughs> So I'm going to stick with. So, I will. I will say if you're running a D and D game with six players in it, uh, and one of them is like desperately trying to figure out how to get rid of the cursed sword that they're forced to carry around, that's fun. If five of them are trying to figure out how to get rid yeah. of the cursed items they're carrying around, yeah. maybe that's too much. Yeah, yeah. I almost feel like I could see two. Like, like, like yeah. two in a party wouldn't be bad. Like, like, which one do we deal with now? Right. Then you have yeah. a, you have a, yeah. you have a, yeah. a, a tough choice about which one is worse that we that we need to get rid of right now. Yeah. Um, and I got to pull out. So I got to pull out um, uh, John Miller's last comment, because honestly, this is something that I have written into my house rules um, uh, about the uh, the particular uh, number. Uh, so John, John was Miller saying, uh, suggesting one right. in 20, maybe one in right. 20. How's that? Sound? I think that's what I want. That's actually what I want. And I uh, jot into I've jotted into my my OD&D margin exactly that. That if uh, players, uh, for example, if players craft their own item, I'm going to roll a d20. If it comes up one, it's going to be cursed. Haha, um, -ha, even though you just paid 10,000 gold pieces for that or something like that. Um, I feel like one in 20 feels about right. It's funny because in second edition, the chances were much higher. They, they, had a, um, they had a rule there that started at uh, 20 or 30% likely to fail and make a cursed item by mistake. And you could ameliorate that by level or how much money you were spending, but it started at almost one third, actually, and that seems that seems way too high to me. 
Um, so one in twenty is not bad. Yeah, I like one in twenty. Again, this is a case where I think um, you know. Uh, I will. I will again uh, bring up a, a John Miller comment here. Thank you, John. You're, you're helping us out here. Uh, <laughs> here it is. Here it is. Uh, where he, he says, uh, my point about randomness versus even distribution seems probably uh, applicable to tabletop games as well. Um, yeah, I think you, you roll that d20 up a one, a curse comes out, great. Yep, that's probably about the probability I want. Uh, it's going to get a cursed item into my game. The next time it happens, am I going to roll again? What if I roll another one? Mm, maybe that's okay. The third time? Like, how, how much am I willing to let randomness drive this? How, like... There's a chance, right, that just three, four, five in a row, mm-hmm. all cursed. Yep. At some yep. point, I think I'm going to stop rolling. I think I'm just going to say, you know what, it, it, the, the the chance drops to zero because there's just there's enough of this in my game right now. I need to take control. Uh, respectable, a hundred hundred percent respectable path. And the Dan in that situation might be now. The story is about for some reason everything's cursed. <laughs> 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 and I'm right. The, the random line, numbers line. are messing with your head, and that's what the game is about. Uh, you know, a lot of the time, like you know, I play. You know, frankly, Paul, like I play these games and I yeah. play poker largely to see people's reaction to unexpected random events. I am interested in the psychological experiment of what it's like to get in poker what's called a bad beat. Right? You did everything yeah. you could. The probability was negligibly small that you would lose, and you still lost. Do, do, do is is this friend of mine someone who has the moral, moral courage to come back from that and not be broken from that? And that's mm. that for me. That's part of the lesson of games with randomness. Is I want to see how we deal with that because it's going to happen. It's going to happen in the larger world at some point. And and, <laughs> and why not? Why not practice dealing with it in a in a safe environment? Wow! Wow! That's intense. That's intense. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe I, I don't, uh, maybe I don't want tests of my moral fortitude in my, uh, Friday night fun. <laughs> DC for that is 16, Paul. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I would, I would argue for, um, yeah, at, at some point. I'm just, you know, I don't know. I think as, as DM, I feel like um, I want to know, know when, when to roll them and when to hold them, right? When to, like, yep, I'm going to let the randomness rule my game and maybe influence my game in weird ways. I, too, love it when random weird things become the focus of a campaign. I had a whole campaign where the point was to find a magic item that would restore lost limbs because, oops, it turned out my critical effects chart caused that to happen fairly frequently, and there is, in fact, no item in the book that does that, that, re- that restores lost limbs. And so right. now the game's about figuring out how to restore lost limbs, because it must be possible. <laughs> All right. That's what the players want. That's what the game's about. Um, but, yeah, at, so- at some point, I'm going to grab hold and just say, you know what, this, if this game is going off the rails too hard... Uh, maybe it's maybe it's time to bring it back, bring it back to center. It's funny because you know there was a game where I, I, you know I'm, I'm I'm so glad that we get to share um, uh, you know opinions and philosophies on that because I remember there was you know obviously a game where you and I were co deming co DMing simultaneously and and yeah. we did walk all over each other's feet on exactly that issue. Is yeah. there was yeah. there was a there was a chase that was happening and I was hardcore committed to the mechanics. And um, yeah. you took you took the reins you took the narrative reins at, at one point, which 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 mutually surprised both of us um, <laughs> that we get to talk about afterwards. So I remember yeah. Yeah. this this is we ha- Paul and I have a long uh, history of uh, uh, interesting uh, uh, variant perspectives on exactly this issue. <laughs> no 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 truly right answer here. I think it's just uh, how do you want to run it? Dan, we're almost out of time. Any final oh, thoughts geez. on cursed curses? Curses in the game? We have, we've only talked about well, cursed items. just we the cursed magic the item curses. conversation, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? <laughs> we got cursed. Yeah, we, we haven't even touched the, the snow curse, grab. right? We got how right. We, surely we wanted to talk about that spell. Uh, I thought we okay. did. So, all right, focus it in. Apparently, this this episode was about cursed items. Dan, any final thoughts on cursed magic items? 
Uh, I, you know, I, I, I like this idea of having them be around uh, one in 20, not too much. Having half of them is probably too much. I do think that it provides an additional layer of texture to the game uh, that magic, uh, magic items are mysterious and murky and possibly risky and something you have to be careful about. Uh, high risk, high reward. And I kind of like that being part of the game. And a lot of us have these experiences where, uh, you know, the players can creatively twist an item to be advantageous in ways they didn't expect, which is awesome. And needing to go on a quest to free themselves of something is, is generating extra gameplay. So I like that. And if D&D 6th edition comes out and there are no cursed items at all, I'm going to feel like that's a loss myself. You know, I, I basically agree with everything you're saying there. Um, yeah, and, and I like I like to twist and contort stuff even further. I like... Uh, you know, I like to, as I said, play with that, that the, what, why can I not get rid of a cursed item or add right. some yep. kind of beneficial as well as a curse to an item so that, um, frankly, I'm just building in that excuse of I'm obsessed with the item into the item itself, right? I'm saying like, well, it's not that you can't get rid of it, but are you sure you want to? Because it's got some benefit as well. Yep. Yep. Um, so I like, I like playing with that. So, and I'll even yeah, say that this is an opportunity to, for for uh, for for customized curses. So so if you come in and you roll, you're just randomly rolling magic items, and you roll the the one in twenty, like John or myself, are in favor of, and then the DM uniquely twists the item in some way, in some way that the players have never seen before. I think that's a that's a perfect opportunity to make more content, uh, and it'll probably be balanced because you have the initial item as a model of what to do. So I feel like that's a that's a beautiful opportunity to twist each each item in some new way to to find the the tough choice for the players. Hmm. Viewers, if you have thoughts on cursed items, uh, interesting curses you've seen in your games, cases where the quantity of curses in your game went in an odd direction and changed uh, the very nature of the game itself. Uh, any, anything like that, please share it with us in the comments of the chat uh, uh, here in the video. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Maybe that will spawn more discussions. Not that we need them. Apparently, uh, we have whole sections of curses we still haven't talked about. So uh, my gut says there will be another episode in the future about another kind of curse. Yeah, I think you're right, Paul. And of course, remember that you can like, follow, and subscribe to us on YouTube and Twitch and Twitter and Facebook and also GitHub. We have the handle Wandering DMs on all of those sites. And if you subscribe, you'll get updates on the next time we do Curses Part 2. <laughs> if you prefer to listen to our uh, shows instead of watching our faces, uh, you can do so by getting the podcast at our website at wanderingdms.com. Uh, podcast is also available on various carriers such as Google Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes. If you're using one of those sites to listen to this show, please take a moment to rate and review us on that site. That helps other users of that site find us, and we appreciate it. Yeah, we really do. Of course, uh, huge thanks to our patrons who support the show and give us extra stuff to talk about uh, in our Discord server every week and join in the live chat here on the Sunday show all the time. If you would like to join our patrons, please do visit patreon.com slash wanderingdms. And our different tier levels do have discounts on merch, access to that private Discord server. Uh, we're working on uh, producing uh, new videos right now, this weekend, as a matter of fact. Hopefully, we'll be um, uh, releasing those soon. Uh, polls and surveys, and also after-party chat that we hold right after every Sunday show, like in about 10 minutes over there. Yep. Um, yep. As well as, I'll point out the uh, the output of our dungeon design dash that we did recently. Uh, that is very close to completion. Took us a little longer than we expected, but uh, we'll be giving our patrons free access to that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to that. Um, and uh, I think I think you're be, I think you're planning on being back tomorrow night, Paul, for uh, more tender yep. rats. Is that right? We should we should Great. we should be on tomorrow night. Uh, yeah, provided everyone is hale and hearty, uh, get us closer to the end of the campaign of ten dead rats. Great. And likewise, uh, we've we've been off uh, with our Saturday night uh, Book of War Wargaming for a while because uh, my par wonderful partner, Isabel, is simultaneously in uh, multiple sketch shows this weekend in New York City and also uh, got the lead to an indie horror movie that's shooting on Saturday, as a matter of fact. So uh, uh, our one of our patrons, Julian, suggested that we do a briefing about that and how uh, acting feeds into <laughs> our gaming here in our house. So we are actually scheduling uh, when we can we can get Isabel back for that soon hopefully 
So a lot of stuff that we're looking forward to uh, to getting out in the near future. Uh, please, please keep track of us. Don't forget, of course, our main show here. We are live 1 p.m. every Sunday Eastern time. So we hope that you'll join us again next week for another thought-provoking discussion. We'll see you then.